I feel like I would be a bad witch if we didn't have a conversation about nature. I work with many folks who are empathic and intuitive. And in order to clear themselves or release what no longer serves them, I use nature to develop spiritual practices, altar building, and ritual. It is those relationships that are key to sourcing our power. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna light a candle. Carrie, do you have a candle? I do. Okay, let's toast each other. Here we go. There we go. So Carrie Rosebra has come to sit by the river with us today. Carrie is an internationally acclaimed artist who is inspired by her connection with nature. She takes found objects, sound, wind, water, and studies them, collaborates with them, partners with them to create art that I believe is a portal to the divine. And because Carrie has an incredible way of connecting with nature, I think she'll be a perfect person to explain to us why it's important. So um, as we always start, I'm going to pull a card from the Mystical Shaman Oracle deck. Ooh, I got the wind. Interesting. I know, I don't get that one very often. What do you make of that? I don't know, I'm going to read it to you. When the spirit of the wind comes calling, it's a sign of change. Perhaps you need to change your mind about something. Perhaps an old way of doing things has become automatic, and now that you've gained greater clarity, you can make a new choice. Yeah. I had the honor of curating a deck with Carrie called the Tarot of the Sublime. And Carrie's gonna share her experience of the sublime in my mind, the definition of sublime is distinctive in that there's a level of grandeur and unpredictability. It's different than awe. It's more immersive. It maybe includes a little fear. There's so much I want to talk to you about today. So I'm so grateful. I've been beyond, I don't have a word for this, beyond surprised at the comments that I've received about the podcast. And you called with this great voicemail, um, which is how we reconnected. Would you share a little bit about that story? I would love to. I love this story. So last week, I was sitting at my computer in the afternoon, looking online for ways to submit my art to shows. And I came across this one foundation in Italy. I could not find on their website where you submit the art and how to go about it. There were no instructions. So I wrote the director a quick email, pushed send, and went about my day. Cut to the evening where I'm going to go to sleep, and I jump in bed, and I thought, oh, Rebecca's third podcast is out. I'm going to listen to that before I go to sleep, and that'll be a really nice way to transform into falling asleep. So you were interviewing Katie Harbath. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she was talking about shamanic journeys. And it got me thinking, you know, I think I did a shamanic journey once years ago in a group situation. And I'm not really sure what I got out of it, but I thought maybe I should try that again. I wonder if that could make a shift or do anything. And so after the podcast, I laid in bed and looked on my computer, just 
went into this rabbit hole of Googling shamanic journeys. And I ended up getting out my notebook and writing notes and ended up drawing some little sketches about ideas about shamanic journeys. And then, of course, I got sleepy and fell asleep. So three o'clock rolls around in the morning and I woke up because I do various times in the night and I thought I'll check my email. And I had got a response from the director of that foundation in Italy. Very nice message showing me the logistics of how to apply. And then another paragraph said, by the way, I went to your website and browsed it and I see that you do a lot of work on nature. I would like to invite you to apply for a residency in 10 day exhibition that we're having next June in Italy, and the theme of the exhibition is Shamanic Journeys. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> and you really had not thought about Shamanic Journeys before no, that. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. So when I woke up the next morning, I had to rub my eyes and look for that email immediately to make sure that it wasn't a dream. But no, it was still there, and it just goes to confirm that there's, there's energy floating around everywhere. It's not just about us. It's the connections between us. Well, and I love that your work is so much about connection between us and nature and that you also manifest these incredible connections. Are you going to apply? Yes. I'll keep you posted. (laughs) So um, can I shaman you for a second? Yeah, please. Okay. I'm so curious about... When the spirit of the wind comes calling, it's a sign of change. What are you up to? What's changing? Do you know? Well, one thing that's changing is that I'm starting a completely new body of work. Okay, tell us. Well, I've been working with um, kelp for the past three years. Our life revolving around kelp and the strength of kelp. And that's based off of water. And this is as well... But this one's going to be based on reflections. It's very personal, the word reflection is. You know, what's that saying? When you look at yourself in the, in the ocean, it's much more of a reflection of yourself than any mirror. And I'm excited to start that. And so you said a little bit about reflection and the work being more personal. I'm wondering what role the shadow plays oh. in your work. Well, you know, that's my soul card, you know, the hermit. Oh, yes. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. Talk about the soul card, the hermit, and the shadow. Oh, well, you taught me about soul cards. Everybody has a soul card based on their date of birth. Mine is the hermit, and it fits me perfectly. The hermit, in general, from what I've learned, is about introspection and solitude and going through your own darkness and shadows to find your own light so you can basically share your light with others. And sometimes our shadow work is really our brilliance. The shadow is things that we repress or that we do not like to acknowledge. It may be because someone told us they weren't good. And part of our work together or my work with others is to bring the things that we have shunned into the light and integrate them. I work in the place of non-duality. The bad, the good, the dark, the light is all one. And I'm wondering if this is true for you, Carrie. You're an artist. You're super creative. You've been your whole life. I mean, I think you popped out that way, right? (laughs) And um, somewhere along the line, somebody said, well, that may not be 
the way to go. Like maybe you need to do something more important first. Oh. Is that resonate? Oh, absolutely. And so there's a part of you that is an artist, but the other piece of you, the hidden artist, the one that was shunned as a little one. I mean, I feel like with artists and writers and, and all of us really, there's this piece that's held in shadow that we've pushed away because someone told us it wasn't okay. And it's sometimes our brilliance. And if we can bring that through shamanic journeys or tarot or conversation over tea with a friend, if we can bring that into our field and really integrate it and own it and hold it gently, then it becomes our gift. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think the trick is turning that around and being able to hold it and taking it out of the dark shadows. That is not an easy feat. Well, and that's your hermit wisdom speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Carrie is an internationally acclaimed artist. Yeah. And I, I do believe you channel your work. Like it comes from some other place. Do I channel my creations? I, I think that through me being in nature and being surrounded with it, I mean, I grew up in rural Oregon at the time, and we were out in the fields and potato fields and woods and forests running around, getting dirty. And I still feel that the space between us and nature is very small, if any. So I think that nature channels me in a way, and then I work from there. Yes, and I I love that, that maybe we don't channel things, maybe they channel us. I I love that reversal. Well, I think that you had told me once, and I always remembered this, you had quoted, what you seek is seeking you. Oh, yeah, I think that's a roomy quote that I love. Oh, is yeah, it? Okay. I do think what you seek is seeking you. Yeah. And I think the way that you connect with nature and then you express it really touches people in their heart. So that reminds me, I, I want to get into the theory of the sublime and the tarot of the sublime. And what is the theory of the sublime? I discovered the theory of the sublime in 2015. I was sailing up in the high Arctic Uh, with 26 other artists of all different backgrounds, poets, writers, dancers, visual artists. And we were sailing for two weeks on an old barkentine boat that sailed out of Svalbard, Norway, which is the northernmost settlement in basically the world that tourists or people can go to. It's basically very close to the North Pole. It was maybe the third day out at sea, summer solstice, so there's no, no darkness, bright, bright, majestic light everywhere. And the captain called me into his wheelhouse. And I thought he was actually going to reprimand me because the day before I um, poured sand out my boots on deck. So I sort of cowardly walked up to the wheelhouse. And instead he handed me this piece of paper and he said, you've got an email. Well, first of all, you have to realize you're, you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no internet up there. But every once in a while, on a rare occasion, some signal will bounce off a glacier and somehow you'll get reception and somehow this miraculously came in. So he handed me a folded up piece of paper and he said, this is an email from your father. And I thought, first of all, I never get emails from my father. Second of all, he doesn't really mince words. He gets straight to the point. So the email was maybe two sentences. 
and it stated, Dear Carrie, yesterday I found your sister dead in her home. Contact me in two weeks when you get back from civilization. And Rebecca, I have to say that all that majestic white turned into darkness. And, you know, the vast landscape that you can see forever just made me more claustrophobic. My body was just kind of having a little breakdown. And so I just decided the only thing to do to get rid of my body feeling this way was to jump in the ocean. So I I did. And your body has four minutes in the Arctic Ocean before hypothermia kicks in. So I was there for what seemed like hours was only about two minutes, two and a half tops. But what I realized when I was down in that plunge is that we are so fragile and nature is so powerful. You know, I couldn't hold on to anything. The ocean is so huge. The flow and the current is gigantic. and. And it just made me realize how substantial nature is and how what a blip and tiny thing we are. So cut to a few months later and I'm back home and I'm talking to a mentor about this. And he said, well, Carrie, you were feeling the theory of the sublime in nature. And he ended up giving me a stack of articles and essays and writings on the theory of the sublime written by a 17th century philosopher, Emmanuel Kant. And basically he stated that when you're looking at something that's beautiful in nature, your body and your mind is at, is at ease and it's in harmony and relaxing. You're looking at something, you're feeling peaceful. Whereas on the other hand, if you're looking at something in nature that's sublime, you're looking at something that's chaotic, maybe, um, formlessness, something that's so strong and powerful and incomplete that it makes the viewer realize that what they're looking at has the ability to really revolt against their existence, his or her very own existence. So I wanted to take that theory and put that into the cards. I wanted to celebrate nature and how powerful that is and how maybe we can channel that and work with that in those cards. And so that's where the theory of the sublime and the terror of the sublime originated. Such a powerful, powerful story, Carrie. Thank you for sharing that. No, you're very welcome. And I know that several of the cards have images from your time in the Arctic. Do you want to talk about what happened after you got out of the water? Well, originally I was working on My project up there was working on the idea of home and what home is. And is is home a location or is it basically a time in your mind where the clock stops, brief moments in time, and what is home? Well, after that happened, I couldn't go home. (laughs) You know, I wanted to go home and help out my family, but I couldn't. So my whole project changed to where I felt like I wanted to make pieces that fixed things. And what is fixing things? And when you're fixing things, are you really fixing it? Are you putting a Band-Aid on it? Are you fixing yourself when you can't fix others, when you can't fix the situation? And, you know, the hermit. The card that I made for the Terror of the Sublime for that was 
or photograph of a sculpture that I made up in the Arctic. And it was a loose um, shape of a pod or a nest out of seaweed to symbolize a home. And I made it and then put it in the shallow part of the ocean so it would rock back and forth with the tide and eventually change shape and location like homes and people do with circumstance and time. And eventually it fell apart and waded away with the water. And I was glad to have a documentation of something that's a moment in time that was ephemeral, mm. but it's captured. It's interesting to me that we got wind to start. And when I think about your creativity and inspiration, that seems like air. Um, talk a little bit about how you work with the elements to create magic. I, I call it magic, you call it art. It's the same, right? Well, that's debatable. I, I, <laughs> but I do, I do work with the elements. I have recorded many, many sound recordings of wind. Um, and I have used them in sculptures where somebody will walk up to a sculpture and they have to put on the headphones because there's sound that goes with these sculptures and, and wind is a very important factor in that. Along with waves, along with dripping water, thunder, um, birds chirping, along with whatever. And then my sculptures are very much made out of found pieces of wood, shells, dirt. I love that connection to nature. Uh, people that I work with often laugh and say, my advice boils down to three things, which is have a glass of water, take a nap, and go barefooted on the earth, like stand on the earth barefoot. Oh, I love that. Um, and I think that's true. It's like, how do you align with your true nature? And knowing that your soul card is the hermit, is there a story about going down into the dark and learning something that you brought back up to show the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Many. Well, what, what, popped, <laughs> what popped in your head when I said it? Oh, well, um, there was a dark time in my life where, um, well, I'll just say it, where I had a huge tumor on my face. It was cancerous. And um, it was like a second nose and it grew really fast. And, and I named it Giovanni, you know, make friends with your enemies. <laughs> so I was like, Giovanni, you're, I'm taking you down. So anyway, after, after four surgeries, it's gone. But I went through a dark time then. And to be honest, ever since then, my face has never been symmetrical. And I noticed that. Even in photos, I will turn a certain way. Or on my Facebook page, my profile is my back. I just don't show that part of my face. It's a dark thing. Well, this new body of work I'm working on is reflections. It's going to address that. So that's a present project, but there's been ones in the past. My sister dying, me talking about the theory of the sublime, that was a whole new body of work coming out of that. So. I think a lot of people go through these things and they come out stronger, whether they show it in their art or just in other ways. There's many other ways to show this. And I think if there is any beauty in trauma, that's it. Carrie, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I, I think oh, it'll welcome. speak to a lot of people. We're afraid to show that piece. 
And that's where the power is, you know, in that kind of vulnerability and that kind of pain. And that's how we become more of who we are. Yeah, this is it. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you. So at the end of this audio show, I invite you to go outside, stand barefooted, walk in the moonlight, sit by a fire, or go to the river. And if you're unable to do that in this moment, Carrie was gracious enough to share with us the tide in the Arctic. So please take the next 30 seconds and sink into the flow. To learn more about Carrie Rosebra's work, follow her on Instagram at Carrie Rosebra, and her website is Carrie, K E R I, Rosebra, R O S E B R A U G H dot com. Voices in the River was created by Theo Balcom. And if you'd like to work with me, my website is RebeccaAlman.com. That's Rebecca, A-U-M-A-N dot com. Thank you so much for listening. We are recording right before the winter solstice, and so we will not be recording again until the start of the new year.